Hello and welcome to From No Crypto to No Crypto. This is Blockchain Wayne with another cryptocurrency podcast. Today's episode brought to us by Coincierge Club, mobile private key wallet and point of sale solution, helping to make crypto safe, easy, and overall process more efficient while costing less, helping to take cryptocurrency mainstream. All right, so today we wanted to take a look at uh, some basic terminology that's used in the crypto space. So if, if you caught, if you would, the ABCs of crypto, just to, you know, I know there's a lot of new people coming into the space and there's a lot of people that use certain terminology that if you've been involved in cryptocurrency for a little while, you understand what those terms are. But being an outsider, being someone new, it may not be, you know, it may, may not be something that you understand, understand how is it relevant or what does it really mean? So I wanted to really break that down for you. One of the terms I heard a lot when I first got into crypto that was, uh, you know, kind of confusing was FUD. You know, it sounds like a funny word. It's actually an acronym for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So a perfect example, when you see a news article that comes out that causes the market to move a certain way outside of just your normal uh, your normal movement of markets through bullish or bearish patterns, right? And, and that's FUD. And there's been a lot of that where... You know, a lot of news articles and news sites, especially mainstream media, will paint certain aspects in a negative light, causing different market movements, typically to cause market to crash when you're talking about foot. Uh, last week, we saw uh, New York State basically uh, launched a lawsuit against Tether. Uh, Tether is a an ERC-20. It's an Ethereum token that's pegged to the U.S. dollar, or supposedly pegged to the U.S. dollar. Uh, now, and basically, they've always you know, asserted that they have uh, dollars to back every single tether that's out there. They have cash reserves to back every single tether, right? And uh, not too long ago, they had to kind of change their their wording to say that, that they have dollars to back everything, but they have the equivalent of dollars in, in cash and assets to back everything in tether. So uh, New York State launched a lawsuit basically saying that Tether doesn't have the reserves. They lost eight hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars, or eight hundred fifty million, uh, a while back, and that they are not fully backed by the U.S. dollar. The irony of that situation is uh, they are launching a lawsuit for Tether doing something that banks have been doing for a long term fractional reserve uh, banking, where they don't have reserves to back what is basically owed. So, uh, but that that's just an example of FUD. So I wanted to go through. Uh, the ABCs of cryptocurrency in the blockchain space. I'm not going to cover all of them, just some of the ones that I put down. Uh, if there's some other ones you want to hear about or want to know about, uh, you know, send me a message on my Facebook page from No Crypto to No Crypto, and you know, let me know what if there's anything else you want to hear about. So uh, going through the ABCs. So with a address, an address is basically just a string that represents the unique ID of a wallet that's on the blockchain. Uh, and it's 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 synonymous to one account. Uh, now there's two types of addresses. There's a public address and a private address. Um, your public address is the one that you would broadcast to receive, right? Someone doesn't need your all your credentials if they want to just deposit into your crypto account. So if you post a, a wallet address or a QR code that has embedded in it the code to that wallet, then people can send you crypto, whether it's through donations or something that you're selling. Uh, you're you're able to accept crypto through that, or if somebody wants to send it to you, you can send them that wallet address, and you know it really makes sense because think about it: if you walked into a bank and wanted to deposit 
if you wanted to deposit money into my bank account, I would not stop you. I would, I would tell the bank they're crazy. Just let them put the money in, right? But banks don't operate like that. You have to show ID and proof that you can access the account to deposit it. Crypto allows uh, the peer-to-peer -peer transaction. You don't need to know all of my private information to be able to deposit crypto into my wallet. So uh, that's what address is. Another A is ATH. ATH is an acronym for all-time high. It's basically the highest price that a crypto has ever been, right? So Bitcoin is, is in the 19,000 range and a lot of other ones have hit those all-time highs, you know, towards the end of 20, right, right there, right at the end of 2017. So when you hear someone say ATH or all-time high, that's all they're talking about, just the highest uh, price value that that crypto has ever been. Now, two different types of all-time highs for other cryptos other than Bitcoin is their all-time high in relation to value in, say, U.S. dollar or whatever uh, fiat currency you're comparing it to. And then also their all-time high in comparison to Bitcoin, uh, you know, because typically, you you know, you can gauge, you know, some trading off of uh, their value when it's paired to Bitcoin. So uh, ne next term, blockchain. What is blockchain? Blockchain is basically a digital ledger in which transactions made in Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency are recorded you know, in order, I guess you could say chronologically. Uh, in Ethereum's case, it also records, uh, you know, state of applications on the platform, smart contracts. Uh, but that is what a blockchain is. It is immutable, which means it cannot be altered, cannot be changed. Uh, you would have to access, uh, you know, or, or hack, say, or have hash power in excess of 51% of the total network to be able to alter a blockchain which is why, you know, blockchains have been considered so secure. Um, the more decentralized the blockchain is, which means the more nodes that are running, running that protocol, the safer that is, which is why sometimes you hear about some smaller, smaller cryptocurrencies uh, having a 51% attack is because they're not as decentralized as they like to be. There's not enough nodes out there to where someone could easily hijack the hashing power for that cryptocurrency. See cold storage. So cold storage, you'll hear that talked about. That doesn't mean storing it in a freezer. Uh, it's basically storing crypto away from the internet, either on a paper wallet, hardware wallet, uh, you know, on those types of devices where it is removed from the internet. Some of the most common ones out there, Ledger is a company that makes them. They have a Nano S and they also have a Nano X, uh, which are two different uh, hardware wallets. The Nano X is the most recent one. I personally use uh, the Nano S, uh, it, it's a very good cold storage device. Looks like a small USB device, but it allows you to store all, all of your crypto, all your private keys mm -hmm. off of the internet. And, uh, you know, Trezor is also another maker of them. Trezor has several different models as well. Um, you know, both decent ones. I just always say, make sure you're buying from the right source. Buy straight from Trezor and buy straight from Ledger. Uh, because, you know, some cases of cold storage wallets being hacked have really been um, people selling either knockoffs or in some cases selling legitimate uh, hardware wallets, but having the, you know, if you get it and it already has your, your private seed, your backup seed already set and already included in the package and chances are someone has altered that package, they're going to use that to hijack crypto if there's ever any kind of crypto placed in there. So confirmation, confirmation is a transaction. Uh, when a transaction is confirmed, it's been verified by either miners on the blockchain, which are mining are in the proof of stake um, by, you know, by programs that are running that, that have basically staked the cryptocurrency and they are running nodes on that network. So that is, you know, basic confirmation. 
there's typically a set amount of confirmations that needs to be needs to happen for a transaction to go through. Some faster than others, just depends on the technology, the protocol. Now you may say a lot of people say, you know, Bitcoin's a lot slower, it's not gonna age well. And every every cryptocurrency that speeds up the process of transformations and transaction time, there's always typically some kind of trade-off in that technology. So uh, so some cryptocurrency may be faster than others, and you can look into it and see there's typically some kind of trade-off, whether, um, you know, whether it's in, uh, you know, how decentralized it is or, uh, you know, how many nodes are running. There, there's typically some kind of trade-off you're giving when you look at these ultra-fast cryptocurrencies, or maybe in some cases they're already, you know, pre-mined, which is, you know, some people have different opinions on pre-mined, so uh, there's a lot of different trade-offs. Another one you may hear is crowd sale. Also can be called a token sale, ICO, and uh, even in, in most recent cases, IEO. So uh, ICO stands for initial coin offering. When a company is announcing a chance to buy a cryptocurrency, typically before uh, the platform is launched, and usually what would happen is sometime shortly after you would be issued those tokens, and then the value of it could vary. Some, you know, some in 2017 performed very well because uh, there was a lot of lot of uh, hype, a lot of movement going on in the market, and typically when those cryptocurrencies then would get listed on a major exchange, you would also see a, another pump in the price. So it's just basically a way for people to get in early to make extra money. Uh, there were a lot of good solid projects and a lot of scams out in 2017. A lot of governments, including the United States, have cracked down heavily on ICO participation. Typically, if you see a legit, legitimate ICO launching now, they will usually not open it up to U.S. or any other countries that have not been friendly to that um, to that uh, regulation, right? So a lot of uh, a lot of U.S. regulations uh, have fought, you know, a lot of U.S. entities have filed uh, suits against people that launched ICOs that were open to U.S. investors, and in some cases, you'll see uh, security token sales open to the U.S., but only open to accredited investors. Now, those are typically people that either have $100,000 or more in savings, uh, you know, or investments, or have some other kind of, um, meet other some kind of requirements. So your average everyday person is not allowed to invest in those. Uh, you know, there's some mixed feelings on, on those regulations. They say it's to protect the, the people, but, uh, you know, it's safe to say if you look at government actions, it's, it's hard to say when's the last time they actually took true measures to protect people. Now you heard me mention IEO. Now that's a fairly recent term that's been we've been seeing happen a lot lately uh, with Binance and a few others such as Bittrex. It's an initial exchange offering. So one of the biggest hurdles of cryptocurrencies uh, we're getting were to be listed on exchanges. So instead of doing an initial coin offering, they'll do their their initial sale on a, on an exchange. Typically, where exchanges already verify people's information, verified a lot of info. So we've seen those happen with mixed reviews. There have been a few so far on Binance. Uh, and then, like I said, Bittrex, and it looks like a few other crypto exchanges will be launching those as well. Uh, will Coinbase ever participate in something like that? My personal opinion is I doubt it. As in typically anything, uh, even, even though the future use may not make it a security, the initial offering of a product like that uh, the, the United States and a lot of other countries look at that as a security offering. So it has to be, would have to be registered as a security. So 
Fiat. You may hear the term Fiat a lot. No, we're not talking about the automobile maker. Uh, in fact, the Fiat uh, Twitter site has some humor with that, where they uh, posted not too long ago, why you know why are, why are all these crypto people? Why don't they like us? But fiat money is currency that the government has declared to be legal tender, uh, and it's not backed by a physical commodity, right? The U.S., if you're hearing this and you still think the U.S. dollar is backed by gold, you need to study a little bit of history learn that back in the 70s, Nixon took us off of the gold standard, mainly because he realized there wasn't near enough in the gold reserves to even come close to the amount of dollars that have been printed. So uh, the issue with fiat currency, take a look at what's going on in Venezuela, and Zimbabwe and other countries like that, where you can literally have a wheelbarrow full of money and not be able to purchase, say, a loaf of bread, right? So that's what's going on. So another one you may hear is flippening. So flippening is typically happens when, usually it's in your top 10 um, uh, crypto market cap, where you look at the top 10 cryptocurrencies, usually, because that's when it's talked about the most. I mean, obviously you can apply it to any time, one cryptocurrency asset passes another in market value, uh, total market cap value. So that's what a flipping is. It's It's been talked about a lot well, when it was back and forth between Ethereum and Ripple. And in earlier days, Litecoin was in that mix too. So uh, that is is what you, when you hear that, the flipping, that's typically what they're talking about. Just one cryptocurrency has basically flipped positions with another by passing it in market cap. So FOMO. FOMO is one you're going to hear a lot, and FOMO is another acronym, just stands for fear of missing out, and it's used to describe basically whether it's purchasing or selling at not an optimal time. FOMO buying is typically what we saw happen once Bitcoin surpassed $10,000 back in 2017. There was a lot of hype, a lot of speculation. A lot of people felt they were going to miss out, so they jumped in at not an optimal time, and uh, that's what FOMO buying is. You're buying basically off of emotion instead of off off of good market indicators, you fear that the asset is about to take off and you're going to miss out. Uh, when typically, if you understand how markets run, they don't go straight up, they don't go straight down. They're cycles. So some people you want to learn, you know, a lot of people want to learn patience. That way, they can uh, enter the market at optimal times. Um, so we already talked about FUD. Next one would be hardware wallet. That's typically tied back to what I talked about when I mentioned cold storage. Your Ledger, Nano S, Trezor, uh, those are hardware wallets that allow you to store your cryptocurrency outside of exchanges, outside of the internet, to where you basically control uh, your 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 crypto. I, I compare it to people whenever you're putting money, you know, say you had like physical money you were putting into a vault or into a safe. Uh, that is what, you know, hardware wallets are used for. All right, so HODL. HODL, H-O-D-L, it's another acronym, and it's it's evolved into many different things. It was originally just a misspelling, and then some people started to say it was an acronym for hold on for dear life. Uh, it's it's basically just the action of, of holding on to a cryptocurrency, even as the price dips, because you either are not proficient enough to trade it, uh, you know, because you can lose some money uh, trying to trade a dip, especially if uh, you know, you, you sell out of an asset and then it takes off before you're able to back, enter back into a position. So a lot of people that aren't skilled on trading want to hold. So they'll say hodl. Now, there, you know, you can, I've done some research on this term just to see where did it come from. And it's typically some chat rooms where it was a misspelling. And some people said it means hold on for dear life. What does it really mean? It doesn't really matter. You just hear it. So they, but when they refer to a hodler, it's typically someone that is holding on to cryptocurrency, no matter what the price does, because uh, either the one, they're too scared to trade it, or two, they believe in the long term 
um, long-term viability of the asset, so they don't want to touch it, just want to buy it and hold it and just let it run. So mining, mining is basically contributing to processing power on a blockchain network uh, to help, you know, basically create that next block. Uh, it's incentivized by providing a reward in the a reward in that, that cryptocurrency on that particular blockchain. Uh, a lot of people are saying that that cryptocurrency mining is inefficient, uh, but honestly, even with Bitcoin mining, being you know using a lot of electricity is nowhere near what's being utilized by banks and all these government entities that are just really uh, buildings that are open running power just to supposedly hold your money, but they don't hold your money, right? So. Uh, that's what's going on with mining. So some some cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin require an, an ASIC, with, uh, like a high high power computer specialized to mine. And other cryptocurrencies you can mine with graphics cards, GPUs. Uh, that way, you know, you can and, and many, you know, many of those are ASIC resistant, which means they don't want it to get to the point to where you need an ASIC miner to mine. And there's some other cryptocurrencies right now that you can still mine on a laptop, right? It's all about the difficulty of the uh, protocol and you know Bitcoin in the early days was mined on a laptop and as technology evolved the difficulty was designed to get harder and harder over time so next up paper wallet so paper wallet is a printed uh, document that contains the information linked to your wallet your public key your private key so typically you'll see that you can print a paper wallet from online or if you go to a cryptocurrency ATM and you're looking to buy a cryptocurrency, if you don't have a mobile wallet stored on your phone, you can print a paper wallet. You know, uh, if you're gonna, I was testing out a new technology for, uh, you know, a new crypto ATM when I was in LA last year. And I did a video showing how I bought several different cryptocurrencies on that, uh, on a machine. And, and I printed out paper wallets just to show people how that worked and made sure that whenever I did that video or posted the video, I blocked out the part that showed the, the private key because it's all printed on that paper wallet. It's secure. It's off the internet. But also, if you lose that paper, wash it in, in a pair of pants, right? Uh, it's gone. There's no way to access it. So paper wallet has its place. Just make sure you be careful with those. So private key, it's basically like the key to unlock your car. Uh, it unlocks your wallet, everything that you have uh, in it. Um, you know, so it's not advisable to share with anyone and that's the part of the paper wallet we were just talking about the public key as i mentioned before that's the public address hey send you know share that with people tell them send you crypto it's your birthday tell them to send the crypto they owe you, owe you money have them send you crypto uh you know and that's that's really what you want to do so smart contract is a piece of code that is broadcasted on a blockchain and executed uh you you know it's used to write applications that run distributed across the platform kind of like a a high level version of if this then that right so it's it's a uh, digital contract that executes when two parties uh, meet a certain obligation uh, so you know smart contracts are really big on the ethereum network but they also can be run on other networks as well i expect to see a lot more use out of smart contracts in the near future so staking now you heard me mention staking earlier staking uh, is utilized in the proof of stake protocol and it means that you leave your coins in a wallet to increase their stake in an attempt to net rewards from block creation. Typically, your computer is also running some form of the network protocol to verify those transactions. All right, so let's get into some bears and bulls, right? So you heard, may hear the term bears. Bears is typically a, a, people that are expecting the market to go down, being bearish, 
could be like maybe you're not a you know necessarily a bear, but you could, you know, you could consider being bearish if you think in the short or long term, whatever time period you're referring to, that the market will go down. Whereas bullish would be the opposite. The bull, you're expecting the market to go up, anticipating and trading for the market to go up if you are a bull. If you just have a bullish opinion, then that just means that you feel that the market will be going up. All right, you are long on the market. You think it's going to go up. And it typically, I guess the best way to describe this over, uh, say, you know, over a podcast where you're not looking at me physically, uh, think about how a bear attacks, right? A bear stands up tall and swipes down, right? So that's that's typically a bear going down and a bull, a bull attacks with its horns, right? A bull will, will go low and raise up to attack. So that's typically how you get the bullish and bearish terms. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the best way to describe it. All right, so you may hear head and shoulders forming, H&S. Uh, it's typically a bearish formation. Uh, just think about, you know, three uh, spikes in price where one uh, over a set time period that you're looking at that you're trading on a lot of people look at it from typically the one day for longer term trends you look at it on on a much shorter time frame on the chart for shorter trading trends but uh, you know the spike in the middle is higher than the two on the side and typically you see a, a bearish breakout from a head and shoulders whereas you may hear the term inverse head and shoulders where which means it's the opposite uh, you've had three dips typically forming in a symmetrical pattern that will lead to a breakout eventually. Uh, and that, you know, that's just what is expected. Does, does, does it always work the way it is from one, uh, indicator, one technical analysis? No. I mean, if you're just looking at a head and shoulders, you want to look at some other indicators too, to see if they also point to a bullish or bearish movement to identify what you anticipate the market's going to go. All right. So. Other than that, see if I've got any more short and long, uh, short and long short allows it's some, some exchanges allow people to short the market, which is basically betting on the market goes down. If you short without leverage, which is basically a one-to-one -one basis for every dollar that the market goes down, you make a dollar on whatever you're shorting. Uh, if you short with leverage, say 10 X for every dollar that the market goes down, you make $10, right? You can easily get liquidated in a position if the market goes the opposite way. So it's very risky to short. Uh, and long is just the opposite betting that it's going to go up. You can just enter a position and, and be long by holding it on a one-to-one -one basis or some exchanges allow you to trade with leverage as well. Same concept, just the opposite. If you are long and it goes up a dollar and you got 10 X leverage, then that for every dollar goes up, you make 10, right? So that's it with crypto. I really want to jump into that today, just so you understand some of the terms, what are some of the major terms used in cryptocurrency, but also you know, we've got to, we've got to get a better understanding. People have to understand what's going on to drive towards mass adoption. Now, mass adoption is like this pie in the sky. A lot of people talk about, and it's going to happen, uh, you know, over time exponentially. When you look back and you're like, wow, I can't believe we did without this before. No different than the internet, the cell phones, smartphones, right? But you got to, as you learn, share this information with somebody else, right? No matter what level of knowledge you have in the crypto space, if you know something, you have the ability to share with somebody that doesn't know it, right? So help other people understand this, understand the technology. And the other thing you can do is when you're out in the market shopping at different locations, ask them if they accept Bitcoin, ask them if they accept cryptocurrency, because 
you know, if somebody, you know, as we start to roll out these great, you know, I say we, but the crypto market, the crypto space rolls out uh, better technology to make it a lot less, I mean, a lot more seamless to where you can walk into a place and, and pay with crypto and they're looking to set up businesses and they go to a business and a business owner is like, well, you know, nobody ever asked to pay with crypto. So I don't think I need to do this. If you start asking now, planting those seeds where people, one, you may get the opportunity to explain to somebody what cryptocurrency actually is. But then two, you're also planting that seed when someone goes to that business owner and says, hey, I've got a great point of sale system that will allow you to accept cryptocurrency, kind of like CoinCierge Club has already created, then they will see the need and they will jump on it because people have been asking for it. They're going to want to do what their customers have been asking for if, if they get asked enough. So if you go in places, help drive adoption, simply ask, hey, do you accept Bitcoin, right? They say yes, that doesn't mean you have to accept it. You know, I mean, you have to pay with it. But just find out you're planting seeds in people. So uh, that's it for today's episode. I want to thank everybody for listening in and we will catch you on the next episode.